common sense reality check for both the left and the right. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Here's a scenario to just kind of run through your head. You want to talk to your doctor and your doctor says either, wait a minute, where are you? Nope, can't talk to you. Or your doctor talks to you and then they face prosecution. How on earth could that happen in the United States? Well, it could. And then the question is how? Well, there's a lawsuit challenging the fact that that actually could happen. I'm Mike Ferguson. Federal lawsuit is filed by Dr. Shannon McDonald, who says uh, the lawsuit uh, facing, well, frankly, New Jersey's laws, but this affects the whole country, is blocking patients and their doctors. Why is it doing that? Why are they trying to stop that? Well, the lead attorney on that case is Caleb Trotter from the Pacific Legal Foundation, and he joins us right now. And Caleb, you would think the way I set that up, that hyperbole I use, that I set up some kind of dystopian novel. But in some cases, there are actually doctors who risk prosecution for talking to a patient that they may have talked to in their office on Monday, but talked to them on telehealth on Tuesday, and they could get in trouble for the latter. Yeah, that's right, Mike. Kind of the, the way I describe it is, you know, imagine you or God forbid your child is suddenly diagnosed with a, a rare cancer or disease and you go see your local doctor. They don't have really the expertise or the resources to, to handle that, that cancer or disease. So what happens? They, they refer you to a specialist and particularly with rare cancers and diseases and especially in the, the pediatric context, there just there aren't a lot of physicians with that expertise. They're kind of concentrated around the country. Frequently, that means you have to go out of state to see them. Now, particularly when we're talking about kids and the whole family needing to travel, what we found during during COVID, when you know, rules around telemedicine as well as you know, other rules were relaxed, was that for the the consultation piece. So when you have been referred to a to a specialist out of state instead of you know flying the whole family out there just to see if that physician can even treat you what was much more convenient was to be able to from the comfort of home have an initial consultation you know review the file um, and, and to see if that specialist could even treat you before then traveling for that treatment and then you know say you did travel um, the treatment was successful then there are you know, frequently a need for you know, regular periodic check-ins just to make sure all is going well. Sometimes you know, regular scans need to be done to make sure cancers don't recur you know, indefinitely into the future. And those kind of conversations can also easily happen uh, from the comfort of someone's home via telehealth instead of having to travel every time for a brief appointment. But unfortunately, as the uh, emergencies have, have expired across the country related to covid all of the old school rules around telehealth have kicked in, particularly in New Jersey. And now, unless that specialist who's out of state is licensed in the state you live in, that would be the unlicensed practice of medicine. And so we are seeing that access to these specialists is being limited. Unfortunately, we're not aware of any prosecutions of anyone for that yet, but we filed the lawsuit recently, as you mentioned, on behalf of a uh, Massachusetts general um, radiation oncologist, as well as a neurosurgeon at the University of Pittsburgh, who have patients in New Jersey who are negatively affected by by this reversion in the law. And when you look at what's available right now with telehealth, I mean, could this be a matter of somebody would argue, Caleb, 
well, uh, you know, licensing and regulation is the state's purview and uh, they wouldn't let somebody come in in person and practice medicine without a license in that state. So why should you let them do the same thing just because they're on Zoom or Teams or something like that? I think what distinguishes our case and in particularly the context of specialty care is that all that, that this case implicates is the initial consultation aspect and then following in-person treatment, which is done in the state where the physician is licensed, there's that follow-up aspect. So we're just talking about conversations here about whether treatment would be appropriate and then following up after that treatment is done. So that would be very different from using telehealth for for primary care, um, where you're actually having things prescribed or you're going over conditions and then a, a direct recommendation of a course that it then takes place with under the supervision of that physician. It also is distinguished from things like talk therapy where the conversation is itself the treatment. And, and so this case is really just about, you know, increasing access to that specialty care and recognizing the real burdens on people to have to travel every single time they would need to converse with the specialist. Because in New Jersey, the law was amended during COVID to apply solely to audio-only phone calls. So if a, if a physician simply wanted to call you from out of state to check on you following a procedure or just to make sure, hey, they checked your, your recent scan, the results um, are fine, nothing to worry about, that would be illegal now unless the physician was was licensed in New Jersey. We are visiting with Caleb Trotter with the Pacific Legal Foundation. What do we know from when the COVID rules were in place and this was allowed? Do we have enough information to know that this improved access to health care or it didn't affect it or there were any negatives? So on that short term, I guess, experiment, for lack of a better term, what did the doctors you're representing and others find when it came to using telehealth? I think as a, as a general matter, whether we're talking about specialty care, like in the context of our lawsuit, or even you know, regular primary care, um, the availability of telehealth has drastically increased um, people's access to physicians um, because, you know, as we all know, you, you don't have to travel. You, you're less, if, if you have to travel, you're less likely to make or, or meet appointments. Um, so being able to do it from home, just makes it much more likely for people to be able to afford the time off um, and to avoid the travel of getting access to that care. Um, specifically with uh, with specialty care, um, no one is is aware during during the COVID time when these rules were relaxed of there being um, instances, bad instances tied specifically to telehealth. Um, there are no known that, as far as I'm aware malpractice cases tied solely to the use of, of telehealth. I think by and large, um, patients and physicians themselves being forced to, to increase the use of telehealth during COVID, um, finally the, the technology was made available in mass and now everyone's kind of gotten used to it. So to kind of be forced to go back to the before times has been quite a shock to, to patients in particular. We've just got a minute or so left, uh, Caleb, and uh, looking at your all's work on this, over half the states in the country right now have either a ban or very restrictive laws when it comes to using telehealth with doctors who are outside of your state. If your lawsuit is successful, what effect do you hope that's going to have around the country? 
Our goal, of course, as, as it always is at Pacific Legal Foundation, is to set you know, meaningful precedent to change things across the country. I think this case, and given everyone's history in recent years with using telehealth, will hopefully be a springboard to spur policymakers and legislators around the country to you know, take a fresh look at this and realize that reverting back to old rules before um, telehealth has become prevalent um, and, and realize that those rules really are harmful. They're not benefiting anyone. Because again, in our case, we're specifically talking about licensed specialists and if people in a given state just can't access that care, it's just typically not available in the state otherwise. And so really you're, you're only harming uh, patients in, within your state. And we hope that this lawsuit will spur change across the country in that regard. Okay. And so how do we find your work on this or Pacific Legal Foundation or get in touch, uh, website, social media, anything like that? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Our, our website's pacificlegal.org. You can find information about this case as well as our, our other cases there. Uh, Pacific Legal Foundation, PLF. We're in our 50th anniversary year. And in that time, we have represented individuals, small businesses across the country, uh, fighting for individual rights, property rights, and, and the separation of powers. All right, Caleb, thanks so much for the update. A lot of people don't realize uh, what a massive uh, issue this one actually is. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Just ahead, after those disastrous congressional hearings where the heads of the major universities refused to condemn anti-Semitism on their campuses, are they facing a market reaction? And will that correct anything? We'll talk about that just ahead right here on American Viewpoints.